the sky ain't a worry in my mind. Looks like we're in the clear, clear, clear just to live in the What is going on you guys and welcome back to another update video for our series on the channel where we are building a portfolio live for you guys to ride along shotgun. Just a brief reminder, if you haven't caught any of the previous episodes, we have a playlist on our channel where you can go and really follow this progression from start to finish. But I'm here joined with my father today. Dad, what's going on? Hey, Brian, how you doing down there in the lower mainland? Pretty good. Yeah. I noticed two I noticed two new things uh, on you today. Uh, okay. One, we both got obviously. New, we both got new haircuts and that was actually unplanned. <laughs> but also the AirPods. I see you upgraded to the AirPods. Yes. Well, yeah, just trying to keep up to date with technology and I hated those cords dangling from my uh, from my neck here with the previous setup, so. Cordless is the way to go these days. I, I'm <laughs> such a fan of the AirPods, eh? We're supporting our Apple pick that we added to the portfolio a couple <laughs> exactly. weeks back. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we actually added three new holdings that we wanna share with you guys today, and I think we should start this uh, recap off with just diving into the portfolio update. I'll put on the screen and take a look at our Quest Trade portfolio to begin with. This portfolio today is sitting at $20,914. I have highlighted in a little red box for you guys. One of the suggestions we got was to actually go through the holdings right up front because some people forget. Well, let's do exactly that. In the Quest Trade portfolio, we are holding shares of Apple, Disney, Google, Lockheed Martin, Pfizer, which we're gonna talk about later today, and the company Tencent. As we can see, uh, our best performing stock of the bunch looks to be Google. This one's up about 6%, uh, not too bad from our initial initial purchase. The rest of them are all hovering between, you know, the plus or minus 1% range, Tencent being the lowest performer, the weakest performer down 1.5% uh, since our purchase. And we're going to talk about that later. On to the Wealthsimple account. Well, this account is looking today at $21,041. Uh, $21, total of a seven positions in this account. Bell Canada is our top performer of the bunch, up just about 3%. Clorox was a stock we added last review. Canadian National, oh, I should say, Canadian National Railway is our top performer. This one's up 3.92%. Enbridge, Kirkland Lake, we're gonna get into that. Manulife Financial Corp, and then Q-Tip. So that brings us, Dad, to a total portfolio today of 41900 and $56 and eight cents. And I would just like to remind everybody that we are adding an additional $1,000 to each of the respective accounts each and every month. Just FYI, as a little teaching point with these platforms, Quest Trade, I was able to set up a automatic uh, deposit or a pack, a pre-authorized contribution or deposit. So that's coming in every single month automatically with wealth simple trade they don't have that feature available so what i had to do is actually just go in and do the monthly contribution on the first and that's something that i will continue to do but that's just a little teaching point on both of these platforms but um yeah I, I would just add i would add to that i love the automatic ones because you don't have to be proactive right and and if you're able to just set that up and it just is a, it's sort of a force to discipline and you have to be proactive to go and cancel it if you want but uh, so it, it's it's better to have that option available but uh yeah with the uh, with, with the option of going and doing it manually that's uh i guess the it's not best it's not it's the second best. It's not the end of the world, but absolutely being yeah. able to automate and kind of set it, forget it. That is the best way the force well, savings sure. habits. Um, but you know, again, each of these platforms do have their little 
uh, restrictions and that is one of the ones with both simple trade by the way we got a comment in one of the other videos saying we don't ask you guys to like the videos enough and we probably don't but for the algorithm if you guys enjoy this series and you support the channel that is a huge way of uh, supporting us by just dropping a quick little thumbs up we're gonna get into all the insights in just a second but let's move on to our Q&A section of the presentation today and I believe you prepared actually a few questions that you clipped dad um, do we have any particular order that we want to go through? We're going to answer three today and then uh, move on into the stock picks. Uh, no, no particular order, but let's just go through those. And uh, man, we got a ton of questions. And this is where I'm going to say, I wish we could answer them all, but we clearly can't. We tried to find the ones that were most popular uh, so we can, you know, kill a few birds with one stone if you mm -hmm. do for future videos if you see a question that you like you want answered go ahead and give it a thumbs up or i guess you can give it a like and that will move it to the top of the most popular and that's that's where we'll know most of the interest is is uh is in that's what we did and we even kind of compiled a couple questions yeah. into yeah. one and i guess we'll start off with the first one i'll read one of the questions and this is one from quang uh newen says hi thanks for the video i'm learning a lot thank you quang Wondering if instead of building your own portfolio, why don't we just get in all into one ETF like Vigro that does self balancing? And we had a number of questions asking us why we are not using ETFs and going for individual stocks. And I think that can be our discussion point number one. Sure. And yeah, there were multiple people asking that question or a variation of of that. And I'll, I'll just take it away, Brandon, and I'll just say this the the issue of whether you want to build a portfolio using etfs or mutual funds or individual securities really does come down to a personal decision what were uh, the, the effort of this particular series is to teach people how to build a portfolio and covering the gamut and if you want to use individual securities i mean quite frankly just buying etfs we wouldn't be able to to instruct in that way so it wouldn't be the, the most exciting series well, it, it probably wouldn't be as exciting, but also it wouldn't be as instructional because it, I think it's if you know how to pick securities or how to build a portfolio using securities and you want to you want to switch over to using ETFs, that's a pretty easy transition. If you're just buying ETFs and there's nothing wrong with that, if that suits you, and then you want to go to individual securities, then you're kind of going right back to the beginning and learning. So this is this is covering off both of those bases. It really is a personal choice through my career. I always chose, well, I didn't always, I started off uh, you know, years ago uh, using mutual funds when mutual funds were the thing, you know, 25 years ago. Then I did uh, evolve, I guess you would say, into using exchange traded funds predominantly. And the main, the main purpose of that was to lower the fees. As ETFs became more um, widespread and more available, it made sense to, to lower the fees because you're buying, in many cases, essentially the same Very product. Very similar product, did yeah. That. Then at one point beyond that, I went into individual securities and although I did still use ETFs for certain purposes, and I do think that they play an important role in a portfolio right now, uh, a lot of my clients wanted to own individual securities and, and I just, you know, I, I found it to be um, a more interesting, more hands-on and uh, I just like the control. I would say the number one reason you would want to do that is the control. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, just a quick example, I don't wanna to go too long on this, but if you own an ETF, uh, you own an index, you're kind of just, you, you have the broad index and, and that's fine, uh, but you may want to be a little more fine-tuned than that and you may like a certain sector or you may feel you don't want exposure to a certain sector. Well, if you buy a broad, uh, you know, the, a TSX index, well, you're going to have a large chunk of your percentage in the banks, in the, in the uh, uh, energy sector, in the material sector. That's really what you're going to be owning for the most part. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you don't want to be in the energy sector, so you don't mm -hmm. have a choice. If you manage the portfolio yourself, you can just peel that sector entirely out if that's your choice and, uh, and build it there. 
another quick point I would say from a taxation perspective, if you own a fund of some nature, you're at the whims to some degree of when they pay the dividends out and the form of taxation. If you own your own securities, you can completely control whether you're getting dividend income or interest income or when to trigger capital gains based on your own circumstances. So there are there are pros and cons to both. The biggest con, and that was, I think one of the questions addressed this was, it's a lot more work and it certainly is. Uh, it's a lot more mm. work to manage an individual portfolio, but those are kind of the pros and the cons. I'll just go, go back to where I started. It depends on the individual. If you mm -hmm. have the time, the interest, you know, build a security, uh, a portfolio of securities. If you just want to own equities, but have a broader index and not worry about it on an ongoing basis, buy a, an, an ETF, perfectly fine. Well said. And it's not to count out that, you know, at some point we may even use an ETF. It's not to say we're never gonna have ETFs in the portfolio. We may use some for some, you know, direct exposure to a specific area. We would not count that out rather than picking individual stocks. But um, I, yeah. I would actually As anticipate you, that we will at some point. In fact, we do own an ETF now on the fixed income right. side. Q-tip yeah. is an ETF, but on the equity side as well. I, I suspect that we probably will uh, at some point during the development of this of these portfolios. I totally agree. Well, yeah. I think we can move on to the next question sure. here, because that was a decent amount of time. But hey, guess what? We're just having fun here. So um, next question. You mentioned their Q-tip and we did get a lot of questions regarding the fixed income and the bonds discussion in our portfolio. I'll take a moment and pop one up just for example. This one's from Gus. Uh, as for the bonds, I completely understand your point, but I wish you would also explain to the viewers that if income is your goal, then bonds are, are bonds fare extremely poor. For example, the returns of Fortis and TD over the past 25 years have returned 2,500% with dividends, TD, et cetera, et cetera, while an aggregate bond fund such as VAB, for instance, returned 33%. That's a terrible return. Um, there are great companies that, and utility companies, for example, that are basically deluxe bonds and provide excellent income no matter what the market is doing and give you the potential for capital gain. So the question there being, why are we holding bonds rather than just getting dividend stocks and really focusing on getting, bringing our income up? Uh, that is an awesome comment and thank you so much for the detail with examples of what your logic is and uh, superb question. The, um, the biggest thing I would say in, in sort of reply to that is income is clearly a major reason you buy fixed income, the name implies that, but there's also another key reason and especially right now with the markets being quite uh, highly valued is there's the diversification aspect and uh, yeah bonds that you know the yields on most bonds right now unless you're going into the higher risk high yield it really sucks uh, but it's not just the the dividend versus income the, yeah it, it's not just the income the bonds historically uh, less so today but historically have been negatively correlated to equities and so you're buying them as downside protection or almost I would say a ballast so when the markets do go through volatile times the fixed income portion of your portfolio will provide you with that protection if you have a real strong fortitude and you go I don't care how much the markets drop 40 50 60 percent or 80 percent like they did back in 2000 I'm going to ride that out good for you most people don't have that so when those those times arrive and it's not if it's when the bond portion of the portfolio typically will help smooth out that line and in, in anticipation of answering this question I prepared uh, a few quick little graphs and Brandon if you could throw those up on the screen yep. but in the question you specifically referred to uh, Fortis versus bonds 
Great question, and I have a, a twenty year a twenty year chart uh, we'll put up here, and it does in fact, as you can see, show that Fortis has. Uh, this is just the total return on both of these investments. XBB is an it's a, a BlackRock iShares uh, ETF that is uh, just a broad Canadian bond index. So I just use that as sort of a proxy. It would be representative, and you can see over that long time, Fortis has absolutely um, out paced uh, the uh, the bond ETF but if we look at the next chart and I'm just going to focus in on a particularly volatile time which was back during the credit crisis so this is 2007 to 2012 rough time frame and clearly from this chart you can see the 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 smoothing effect the orange line is bonds and although they do go up and down because they are a marketable security Wow, you look at that line compared to to Fortis. Uh, we love Fortis. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've I've owned Fortis for many years myself. Um, so this is not a comparison of uh, this is not slamming Fortis at all. This is just saying these investments behave differently. Yeah, and so that's the key reason why we want to have some fixed income. Gee, in 2021, it is hard to get yield. So that's not the main thing. And one last chart, I'll show you the same time period, but uh, just as an example, I think you know, specifically referred to, to TD. So this chart will show the same time period as the Fortis. So we went through the credit crisis. So when we saw the sharp drop, the blue line represents TD. And we saw when that crisis hit sort of mid 08 to early 09, the steep drop uh, versus the performance of that mm -hmm. bond ETF not nearly as exciting without question for the longer term you know equities are the way uh, to go if emotions if emotions didn't play a role in investing bonds wouldn't even have a place in there but uh, but emotions do play a, a role in investing so that's the that's the key reason that we believe for mm -hmm. most people uh, and I hear this argument I've heard this argument a lot over the years and especially when the markets are hot <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know so you, you're going to hear it more and more it comes down to the individual and your, you know, how much uh, fortitude you have in there to, to ride out those big storms. It does. And you do keep in mind, we have so many different levels of viewers watching the channel. Some are beginners, mm -hmm. some are quite experienced, and some have been through those ups and downs and they can make that assessment whether they need the bonds or not. But I think it's actually a, not, it's not a bad idea from a starting point for a beginner to at least have those assets, which are going to hedge your portfolio or they're going to provide you with less downside. Um, I think it's crucial. And as we touched on in the last one, even Warren Buffett, he said with his estate, when he gets his money, how is he, his instructions to invest his estate, he said a 10% weighting to bonds. So yeah. take that from the greatest investor of all time. You know, it's, if you have more experience, yes, you can find other areas, but yeah. I think in general, uh, you know, it's, it's unfair to say that bonds, you know, do not deserve a spot in the portfolio, uh, even in the modern day. Excellent point, Brandon, and two things I'll take away. Um, for those of you who have been following the series, we have two distinct portfolios. We're looking at it mm -hmm. from the top down, but we have a growth-oriented portfolio in the Questrade account. We have a more balanced portfolio. In You'll see this later on uh, as we come up here, but in Questrade, there are no bonds right now. Nothing. Now, we'll, I, yeah. I expect we'll probably work some form of bond into there at some point, but um, when we go through a market correction, that's when it'll be a real teaching point and we'll see then the effects of, of how the two different portfolios and to your point, Agreed. it's easier if you've been through market crashes and you know how that's going to affect you. If you feel strong enough to just go into all equities, I mean, that, go for it. Most people haven't yet or a lot of people watching these videos haven't. So this is starting from the ground up building that portfolio and it's way easier to branch into more aggressive than you know, getting burned out of the gate and then you know be afraid to invest for the rest of your life. That's not a, a healthy thing either. Agreed. Well, yeah. speaking of getting burned, let's move on yeah. to our next question sure, yeah, yeah. because 
The crypto market has seen a little bit of a little burn over the past while. It's been a bit choppy uh, for anybody that does follow Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the other um, altcoins and um, other notable yeah. cryptocurrencies. Yeah. We had a question come in from Alex Cole. Will you guys consider adding any cryptos to the portfolio? I know on Wealthsimple, you can trade Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, also wondering what your thoughts are on other cryptocurrencies. And maybe we'll just answer for now whether we would consider cryptocurrency as part of an asset in uh, our portfolio. And I have an opinion on that, but um, maybe we'll hear from you. Sure, I'll go first and then uh, and then you can add to it, Brandon. As far as I'm concerned, and when Brandon and I you know, discuss what we're gonna add to these portfolios, uh, for the time being, I'll say we're not gonna add crypto. And the main reason is I don't see crypto, you know, speaking broadly right now as an investment. I see it purely as a speculative, uh, a speculative play. Nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to have. But we're teaching how to invest and how to build a property from that, uh, a portfolio from that perspective. At some point, once the industry has matured and settled in, I could see owning crypto. If in fact, mm -hmm. it continues to make advances and become more accepted, I'm, I'm still not convinced of that. Uh, all, you know, there's so much evidence coming out of, of the industry be if you call it an industry of the product being misused and and i just can't see the, the governments of the world standing by and just going okay we're going to let this all happen uh, and you yeah. know you know the banks are regulated but you aren't i i just i i expect at some point we're going to see much more crackdown in that regard which of course would you know be just you know very detrimental to the industry so yeah i, I don't see us using it now could it come at some point uh, i would say yeah absolutely but um just for me at this point, it's not an investment. It's 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 a speculation, and that's mm -hmm. not what we're doing with these portfolios. And yeah, I I hundred percent agree. My, well, my input is actually um, in terms of these portfolios, I totally agree. Um, I don't think there is a need immediately for that, as you said. As time goes on, and if we can really see these um, how these assets correlate, and if we can make a fair argument that this would be a benefit to to our uh, portfolios here on the channel, then absolutely, I think that's very fair. I don't think I would buy the crypto on wealth simple trade to begin with. Um, that's just a personal reason. I actually did own some Bitcoin. Difference in opinion here, Dad, because yeah, yeah maybe yeah. I'm a bit younger and this is a, a speculation that I'm willing to make. Mm. I did own some Bitcoin, which I talked about on the channel over the past couple of years, and they did quite well. Unfortunately, it was $1,000 of play money, which I ended up selling for six, 7000 So, I mean, not a bad return over a one-year period. But point being, that is... Um, if I were to invest in crypto, it would just be simply for the fun of it rather than it being part of our actual um, yeah. portfolio here. That's just the way I'm approaching crypto. Obviously, a fun market to keep involved with and stay on top of. But as you said, as much as some people would consider it an investment, I, I, I would still believe it is a speculation at this point, especially as you get down into the more smaller uh, coins and coins, yeah. um, the other assets there. It's, it's, just a, it's just a gambler's paradise in my opinion. I'm just thinking if we want though to be instructional, man, we should have bought it a month ago when we started these portfolios because you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but I mean the coins in general, it's I think it's Bitcoin down thirty percent or so, yeah. Roughly. And so when you started off by saying this is up six or up three or down one, uh, you know, we could have shown in front of your face this is what yeah. the potential are. Mike, it can go up a thousand percent too. So that's that's the difference, right? Right. predictability well, we're, we're not trying to lose money out here we're, <laughs> we're, we're trying to do we're trying to uh, make some money but let's move on to our next uh, thank you guys for the questions first of all phenomenal as always if you have more for the upcoming uh, session you. please do leave them down below because we will factor in all of these but let's move on to talk a little bit about the stocks that we added and 
Uh, maybe you Brandon, actually added two. So sorry to interrupt. Sorry to, we were going to talk very quickly about drips because we had a question oh, about we did. drips we did. and representing. Like, so many people ask, should we drip or should we not? So uh, can we talk about that just for one good, minute? Good catch, good catch. So yeah, uh, I totally skipped it. You're on top of the ball today, Dad. Yeah, just have my morning coffee. I'm good. So yeah, right. for, uh, most people know what that is. But for those who don't know what DRIP is, a DRIP, Dividend Reinvestment Program or Dividend Plan. And essentially what that means is when you own a stock, you can arrange in many cases. So when they pay a dividend, it just goes back to buy more shares of the same company. And it's very simple and it's very popular with a lot of people. There are some advantages such as you know, no commissions and, and, and that type of thing. Just cutting to the chase, we um, have rarely ever used drips. And the main reason that we like it or we don't like the program is because we like to have control of when the money comes into the portfolio, what we're going to do with that. And the simplest example I can give is if a company has been doing particularly well and they pay a dividend, we may not want to buy more shares of that company at a higher, you know, if it's trading at a high valuation. And conversely, if a company has gone through a rough patch, but we still see value in the company, very commonly, I would rather take that drip, the dividend from the higher valued company today and re-employ that buying something that has, you know, it maybe has a low valuation that we feel will come up because all of these equities go through cycles and they regress to that mean. And so that's just a strategy that we use. It just comes down to control of those assets and not just automatically buying shares of higher priced assets. So uh, there's no perfect answer on that. There's no perfect answer. And again, as you mentioned at that first question, it depends on the investor. As we said, we are planning to be more hands-on with this portfolio versus mm-hmm. somebody that doesn't want to look at their portfolio and they want to be hands-off. Well, the drip could be the perfect solution. Yes. That said, one consideration too that needs to be uh, understood in the Canadian market, our well simple trade account does not currently offer drips even as an option. And that's of course our dividend focused program. Our portfolio, I should say. So that in and of itself answers the question. Even if we did want to drip on Well Simple Trade, we can't. Again, one of those limitations of Good the point. respective portfolios, but just something to be aware about, even though we want to do it anyways. Good. I- so- hey, everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our investing academy. For the low cost of only $19.95 Canadian, you can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Thanks for allowing me that extra. Oh yeah, no. trouble, but uh, yeah, we got to move along here for sure. Good catch. No, that was um, I. I totally skipped over that question, but let's move on to the stocks that we've added. And um, you added two shares, or not two shares, two holdings to the portfolio over the past or since our past review. I added one. Why don't you go through one? I'll hit one, and then we'll bounce back to you to wrap up this video. 
Sounds good. What I will do is I will start with a company that I added fairly recently, and it's Kirkland Gold. And the ticker on Kirkland is KL. Uh, trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange, also it trades to south of the border in the U.S. Now, I know, Brandon, you did a fairly recent video uh, uh, talking about in, you know stocks to, that you uh, yeah. may want to buy in inflationary times. Uh, so I'm not going to go into a really deep dive on this, but but that's the main logic. I know last time around we talked about buying the Q-tip uh, inflation-adjusted bonds for protection against rising inflation. And I've prepared a quick chart I'm going to show up. Uh, this is just you know the more, most recent numbers that come out that came out of our uh, you know the StatsCan, I guess, or the, the government reporting. And it's showing that there's no question, you know, we've been talking, is inflation going to be a problem? And we'll see how that's really ticked up in the last little while here. So a big focus of taking this position. And, you know, we've heard forever uh, gold is a hedge against inflation and gold is incredibly, the, the sector itself is very volatile compared to a lot of other sectors. And so, uh, you know, I had clients literally who would never want to own gold. Uh, they don't care mm -hmm. what protection it can give you. Uh, just, you know, it's not uncommon for the sector to drop 50% in a short mm -hmm. period of time. So from purely the capital preservation, you've got to understand that if you're going to add gold. But for the purposes of, of, of rounding out the portfolio in the times we're in right now, uh, we added Kirkland Gold. There is that benefit. I, we just think it's also a good company as well. Just some yeah. recent numbers on it. If you look just from a valuation perspective, I'll, you know, just the, from a price earnings perspective, it's trading you know with a trailing uh, price earnings of twelve, just around thirteen percent. Now that compares to their five-year average of nineteen. Not sorry, not thirteen uh, percent. Thirteen uh, times versus their five-year average of nineteen. So that would imply, all else being equal, that they're undervalued. They're the sector median. In there is in that space is almost 23 from mm -hmm. a price to book or I'll look first at the PE the forward price to earnings 13 currently versus 15 53 uh, still uh, less than their average and certainly less than the 16 and a half uh, earnings that the sector for the uh, pays off and lastly on the valuation perspective uh, from a price to book 2.2 is what their price to book ratio is right now versus three and three and a half uh, five year average and you know 2.6 so I think that 2.6 for the uh, for the sector median I think that there is a, a a lot of value in the company in other words I think that's undervalued right now mm -hmm. the in their most recent report again this is not a deep dive into Kirkland the goal here is to say here's some companies that we're we think are good but you you know everybody has to do their own research on it and we'll leave most of that to each individual but in their most recent report you'll see their various properties and detour lake is is uh, you know just the star of the of the show really importantly they have a 22 year production life and in you know when you're dealing with a depleting asset you always have to look uh, out at, at the lifespan of that to make sure that it's um it's going to be viable not just for the short term growth is increasing and importantly they're anticipating at least a reduction in in the costs as well so you marry all those things together and uh, then lastly i would say on this topic they have you know they've been buying back shares and they pay off a reasonable dividend. So when you combine those, I think that Kirkland- uh, It made Kirkland, sense. Yeah, it makes sense to add it from an investment perspective, which is always the most important thing in the economic times we're in right now from that inflation hedge as well. Uh, it it just does make a lot of sense. We took a just a normal position in it, not overweight, not underweight, just a reasonable position in it. And just to clarify, we did make that purchase on Wealth Simple Trade. That is a Canadian traded stock. I'll see if I can actually pop up the exact uh, trade for you guys if I'm able to find that uh, on the screen here. And do keep in mind, if you want to follow along with these trades live, we have a private membership group where we showcase every single trade we make. We have 
top stock ideas. We have a variety of other tools. You can learn about that all down below. And if you are watching this before Monday, because I should be posting this on Sunday, if that's when you're watching it, you have about a day to get in before our price increase. And you can learn about that down below. Um, the price that you pay, that will lock in your membership costs going forward. And we are, we are continuously gonna raise the price as we get more and more members and as our group continues to grow. So check that out down below. But I can move on into my stock pick, which I don't think will be as long because again, I've covered the stock a million times too. Yeah, yeah. But we covered, or we added the company Tencent Holdings, ticker T-C-E-H-Y. This was a stock that we did add in the Quest Trade portfolio. US stock, we bought 20 shares at a price of about $80.85 USD. This was the equivalent FYI of about $1,600 invested. And one little teaching point on this, because this is a stock that trades over the counter, meaning it's not listed on a major exchange, okay? You're not gonna buy this on the New York Stock Exchange or the TSX or one of the major notable exchanges. This is a Chinese company that trades as an ADR. You do use a limit order on Quest Trade, meaning uh, rather than just placing a market order and getting your order filled right off the bat, you actually set a price that you're willing to pay. And in this price, our order got filled at, again, 20 shares at $80.85. So that is just one little consideration. We weighed the pros and cons of this one, Dad. Um, getting some exposure to China, which is a higher risk area. I actually saw a post, um, I believe a couple days ago, Biden um, banned or he they're against some uh, Chinese investments in military and aeronautics yeah. stocks. Yeah. Um, the, that's a perfect example of the risk that comes with investing in Asia. You always hear people talk about, oh, this, uh, you know, foreign risk and international risk. Well, that's a prime example. And these things are legitimate and they are something to factor in. That said, Tencent, first of all, doesn't fall into those types of companies. As part of our research, this stock has a price target of about $103 USD based on Morningstar standard. That represents about a 23% discount. And as I've said multiple times on the channel, Tencent is actually one of my little uh, gems, one of my picks that I've been uh, very much favoring over the past number of years. I'll link some videos up at the top if you'd like to go look those up or just uh, you know Google search. I mean, on YouTube, just search up my name and then Tencent. I'm sure a number of videos will come up. But again, we added that to the Wealth Simple portfolio. So those were two out of our three holdings. And um, you added one more, which I think you can take away. Yeah, and I'll just add to that, to your discussion there, Brandon. As you noted, Tencent is in the growth portfolio. Uh, yeah. I, I think you'd have a hard time convincing me to put that into the balance portfolio just because of that added risk. But certainly for a mm -hmm. growth-oriented investor, uh, I think it's a good choice. So, yeah. So awesome. uh, thanks for allowing me to add that. Now, the third that we added this time is uh, the U.S. company Pfizer. And the Pfizer, is the ticker is PFE. And... Clearly, Pfizer has been in the news a lot lately, and they've really benefited from... I got the, the Pfizer one, actually. You bought... Uh, oh, you got the Pfizer shot just a couple of days I, ago, I, right? I just took off the Band-Aid, like, before filming this video. You should have left it on for a few sympathy, sympathy thumbs up, maybe, you know, sympathy yeah. likes, who knows. Um, the uh, Yeah, so Pfizer is a clearly... Uh, you know, a huge in the in the vaccination industry, but Pfizer has been a very solid company for a long time pre-COVID nineteen, and mm -hmm. um, the the big thing I see with Pfizer right now is that the, the mRNA technology that they're using, as opposed to traditional vaccinations, really the entire world, a field of vaccines, I think is changing with this bout and the the rapid development, and and I've I've read that. The, the technology being used is focused clearly right now on this pandemic 
but it, it, because they're you know making those DNA uh, adjustments or whatever technically they do inside your body this will be suitable for a lot of other applications as well so when COVID is behind us hopefully before too long um, th this will be building that foundation for for using this technology in future applications but COVID isn't behind us in fact uh, the last I read is Pfizer is projecting three billion doses in 2022 so I mean there's still a lot wow. this year and in fact in their most recent reporting uh, the uh, COVID-19 vaccine was their largest selling drug of a lot of really large selling drugs so uh, you know there's and on that note the other drugs are years away from expiration on their patents and that's always an issue you have to be mindful of of the large tech companies that spend the billion dollars or so to create a new drug and then you know they have a lifespan until the generic drugs come online and compete against them purely from a financial perspective we look at the valuation uh, they are paying a, re a reasonable dividend of four percent their mm -hmm. forward pe is 10.51 uh, as of the time they were filming this that's about 20 percent below their five-year average of 13.2 and way below the the sector median of 23.76 and so when you look at those numbers from evaluation again there's um, you know we're trying to add to the space i think this is the first uh, healthcare company that we've added to these portfolios um, healthcare is something that deserves a spot in all portfolios i would say and so for that reason trading at a reasonable valuation right now all those things factored in we felt it would be good to to add depth to the portfolio and i think we're going to be looking shortly at sort of the composition of where we're at today and looking at uh, which what sectors we're in and what sectors we're not in and and where we'll yeah. go from there yeah well no i mean what i'll do is i'll actually pop up on the screen just to recap again i'll share the actual inside of the brokerage accounts to show the holdings um, it may make a little more sense now that we've gone through the stock picks uh, on the screen again you're looking at quest trade which is our more growth focused entirely us at the moment and then over on wealth simple trade you'll notice here primarily predominantly canadian you do see the new kirkland lake position very in line holding wise position wise size with the rest of our holdings we are again a little more spread thin amongst wealth simple and that's a luxury to talk about a benefit of wealth yeah. simple trade that's a luxury of having no commissions right it's uh it's not the end of the world paying a five dollar commission versus not but it's just one of those considerations where we can buy more frequently we can spread those eggs thinner without worrying about our you know friction costs of, of commissions on wealth simple versus quest trade yeah we do want to be a little bit more cognizant but um again five dollars at the end of the day is not gonna make or break us do you have what's up yeah, go ahead brian I was going to say, do you have those um, ready, the, uh, the sure breakdowns do. of... You, yeah, we're, yeah. The, the spreadsheet that we created that shows the breakdown. So um, we can throw the, the yep. I've got the three spreadsheets. So one shows the portfolios combined, and then we show the Quest Trade and the Well Simple. So let's put the combined one up first. And so with cool. this, this shows us uh, a few things. At the top, sort of the, the major breakdown, we have about 42% in equity so far, 4.5% in fixed income, and about 53% in cash. And yes, that's way more cash than we want to have. And uh, just a quick aside, one of the comments or one of the questions we got was, well, if the mar if you believe the markets you know, go up over mm -hmm. time, why don't you just invest all the money at once? Wouldn't that make sense? And it certainly can. I think a they very... actually said that we are basically timing the market by... Yes. The question we're was, time... are you timing the market? Yeah. And I would say no. In fact, counter sort of intuitively, I say we're not timing the market because uh, it's just the dollar cost average in. And if we, let's say we build up and we end up you know, in the next short while, we'll say 15 companies. 
in the next six months or the next year, we're going to see all kinds of gyrations. We're going to see companies doing really well. We're going to see some of those picks doing poorly. I guess, you know, we do our work, pick, you know, with the best odds, but some of them are going to underperform. Well, you want to have some gunpowder or some powder on the side that you can go in and, and dollar cost average in and pick up some additional shares. So I don't think that there is a, um, a magic bullet where, you know, a perfect answer. I just know what I've done over the years and it's worked out quite well in the shorter term is to build the portfolio. So right now we have about half of it in into the markets, uh, just slightly uh, less than that. And we're going to continue to buy in the coming weeks and months. And, you know, I don't know, a question was how long will it take you to get to full, uh, full, um, fully invested? Yeah. Yeah. So the question is somewhat depending on what the markets do. I think if the markets correct soon, that will speed that process up because there's nothing like a good market correction to, to buy some good companies on sale. If the market continues to climb this way, it'll be more selective and a little mm -hmm. bit more difficult to build it up. But um, it, I wouldn't think it would be more than a few months at the longest, uh, but that will be somewhat dictated. So just back to the to the screen, you can see um, on the left side of this chart, Brad, and if you could zoom in on that, the sector allocation, okay. We've got most of the sectors now covered. You'll see real estate and utilities. We still don't have any direct investments in those spaces. And then we don't have any sort of what I call diversified categories, such as, you know, global ETFs or that uh, that's more for an ETF type thing. Uh, and on the right side, you'll see where we have the holdings. So there's a total of 14 holdings right now. And the weighting that each of those represents in from the top down. So these are the combined. So the largest holding is Alphabet which represents just under 7% of the portfolio, the smallest being Enbridge at 2%. If we flip on the next chart, which shows the Quest Trade growth in more detail, you'll see that is 53, almost 54% invested, 46% still in cash waiting to be put in. You'll notice on the left side, the sector allocation, a much more concentrated portfolio. Mm -hmm. And this is typically what you're going to see in a more growth oriented, you're going to see, you know, IT, you're going to see some industrials and, and healthcare. It's very common because this is where the growth oriented companies tend to be. On the right side of this, you see uh, Alphabet at 13% of the portfolio in all. And the smallest here is 7.32% um, with that Pfizer represents. So compared to those smaller percentages, um, much more concentrated. Again, this is this is the whole strategy of this portfolio. Mm -hmm. Now we'll contrast that to the balanced portfolio, which shows more sectors covered off, but not all, still quite a few to go. And I think that ultimately in a balanced portfolio, you do want to have exposure to all of the sectors at most of the time. You know, mm -hmm. you, there may be times where you're, you're going to you know, eliminate a sector or two, but for the most part, you know, almost by definition to be balanced, you need to have that. The right hand side shows the largest holding aside from the bond ETF, which is 9%, but CNR is 5%. We're comfortable somewhere in that 2 to 5% range of having an asset um, represented there. Those numbers will come down implicitly as you start taking some cash and um, adding additional cash every month and adding more uh, securities, those numbers will come down to represent a smaller, sort of normally in the 3%-ish percent, uh, part uh, of that particular portfolio. So that's kind of a, a more granular breakdown. And we're going to update this every time we do an update so you can hopefully get the concept of the contrast between growth mm -hmm. and balance. And then uh, again, overall, how we're building that up. And, and um, yeah, it's just sort of a, a little deeper dive into the actual construction of the portfolio, which is what this series is all about. That was so well explained, Dad. And yeah, that's um, that's the point is we're showcasing two different ideas. 
you may be watching at this point and saying, well, this actually makes more sense for me or, or I like spreading my eggs a little thinner here mm -hmm. because we don't know what your situation is like. You're the one that can make that assessment best for yourself. And there are so many factors such as your age, such as how risky you want to be, such as uh, you know how close you are to retirement. All of these things come into play when deciding how you're going to build your portfolio. And even just four, we're on episode four here, four sessions in, we're starting to see that divergence, which is basically how we plant. And it's just going to become, I think, more and more apparent with time. Well, but what you just said, Brandon, was really important just to reiterate that every single person watching this has different is, it's, you know, kind of just popped into my mind is if you're going to go and build yourself a house, there mm -hmm. are the, there are the rules of building a house, but every mm -hmm. house is going to be a little bit different. And so you mm -hmm. tailor this to your own circumstances, which we can't know. So, you know, I know we're going to get some comments saying that balancing is stupid. Like, you know, you should buy more growth and maybe vice versa. Um, that's fine because whatever works for you, you know, run with that. Exactly. Well, that is, gonna wrap up i think this uh session here because we're getting pretty deep into it and we've covered our stocks again just to bring you up to a grand total we're sitting at a portfolio to date of forty one thousand uh nine hundred and fifty six dollars and eight cents and i'm excited to see this one grow i think um yeah do we have anything else to talk about in this particular lesson i think each lesson you know, we're gonna kind of I'm just thinking right now, we could talk for the next two hours about this, but yeah, we people don't have two hours to sit around. Um, yeah, I some think do. what we'll try and do for every single episode is certainly answer some of the questions. A re reminder, like a question that you see or add your own question. And that's I think that's a really critical part of this whole exercise. It mm -hmm. lets us know what the questions are. And then obviously talk about what we've added and a little bit of logic as you know whether you add those companies or something similar to those it gives you the idea of, of sort of the thought process behind it and um, yeah just keep building it up and, and it'll get to the point where we are fully invested and then who knows where we'll go from there maybe maintaining yeah. a portfolio but we'll, we'll play that exactly that bridge when and, we get to it and I, I think each little le each lesson and episode can kind of have its own little flavor we talk yeah. about a specific mm -hmm. lesson in that and this was more or less just showcasing the three stocks we added um, a couple weeks from now, maybe we dial into a specific topic that we'd like to cover or educate on and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But for now, I want to say thank you to everybody that has been tuning around, tuning along this far and you make it to the end of the video. As you mentioned, the thumbs up go a long way, both in the comments and on this video. If you guys are appreciating uh, this series, take a moment to drop a big thumbs up. I'll remind you, you probably have a day depending on when you're watching this to get in at our private membership group at the lower cost that's that first link down below we also do have our uh, training programs if you are looking to learn more you can learn all about that through our investing academy and just leave us some comments down below we are so curious to hear what everyone's saying uh, what everyone's thinking about the challenge and i think really that can kind of wrap up this session right here dad I think that's good, Brad. It's been uh, good, good seeing you, and uh, look forward to our next update here. I know we'll be doing some videos, you know, between now and then. So, definitely. Well, yeah. let's wrap that up here. Beautiful. Thank you guys all for tuning in to the episode, episode four of our challenge. We do have a playlist up on the channel if you do want to go back and watch it from scratch. That'll be fun to kind of see the progression. But as always, we thank you guys for watching for this one. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you in the next video.